Father, thank you for this morning. I thank you for your gathered people. What a privilege it is to worship you. God, I pray by your spirit as we open up your scripture, Lord, that you would speak to us. Come, Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Um, Hey, my name is Britt Carpenter. Uh, I have been away for about four and a half months. This is my first time back in the old saddle, if you will. Speaking of saddle, uh, it's beautifully crafted by folks from the makerspace, and I am so thankful for it. In fact, it's my favorite pulpit in the world. Not only is it beautiful, it represents a lot of beautiful things. Um, So I've been on sabbatical for four and a half months, and in my time away, uh, I've had the best time. Uh, In two weeks, 14 days from this very moment, you can mark your clocks for it, and 14 days from this moment, 1032, uh, we're gonna, I'm going to talk about my Sabbath, my sabbatical, and all the things that the Lord downloaded, um, but for today, I want to tell you just one thing about my sabbatical. I didn't think about college football once, but I'm back from sabbatical, and you may or may not know this, but college football started in earnest this week. You also may not know that Aggie football weekends have a lot of moving parts. The Yale leaders that lead about 50,000 students into Kyle Field on Friday night for Midnight Yell. There's the mascot corporal, who's a sophomore cadet in company E2 that makes sure that our beloved mascot Reveille has a protein-packed breakfast on game day. Then you've got the Fighting Texas Aggie Band. They're getting ready. They're tuning up hours before the game starts. Then there's the Corps of Cadets, which gets up at 3.45 a.m. They put hospital corners on their beds, and then they run a quick 26.2-mile run just to warm up for the day. Then the football team, of course, goes to Kane Hall. They eat enough, but not too much. You don't want to have a super full stomach, nor... Yeah, you get it. Then there's the 12th man, and they start filing in from campus and tailgates and from parking lots. And we can't forget the coaches, the media, the camera folks, the F-16 pilots that fly over. Thank you, Jeff Rouse. There's concession stand workers and all kinds of people. All in all, there's some 100,000 humans needed to make an Aggie football Saturday happen. 110,633 to be exact, if we're counting, which is a number that's a record. Now, of these 110,000 people, they come from all different walks of life. I know you think it's a bit cultish, and you'd be right-ish, But we are not homogenous. Aggies come from all over the globe with diverse backgrounds, diverse socioeconomic backgrounds, different family of origin values and issues, different interests and majors. But once you become a student, there's this common tradition that gets adopted. But we're still diverse. But, now listen up, church, but... At Saturdays, on Saturdays at home in Kyle Field, about to tear up, we become one. 
Ne'er a sweeter sight and sound in all of football. Sports, for that matter. I'm not actually crying. But then, of course, it's up to Coach and his team to figure out how to win, which didn't happen very often last year, and we'll see how long my idolatry of Aggie football lasts this semester. Here's the thing. Everyone has to play their parts for game days at Kyle Field to be the greatest show on earth. In our gospel this morning, we heard that two by two, they went out, they were sent out ahead of Jesus. No greater example, no clearer example in my opinion of what the church does. It's this disparate group of people that link up all from disparate professions and they move forward together on mission and do what the boss says. That boss's name is Jesus. He is the head of his church of which we, Grace Northridge and each member here, each person here is a part. The church, as you know, is comprised of many denominations and traditions, just as each local church is made up of many members. What I want us to remember this morning is that each person is vital. I learned this on the east side this summer. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, you are mission critical. Okay, guys. Let's try it again. Look at your neighbor and say, hey, you're mission critical. Thank you. You are mission critical. I am mission critical. Now, before we jump into our main passage this morning, I think we need to do a step back and look at the meta of the why. This comes from verse 7. You'll see it here on the screen. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good, for the common good. The gifts that Holy Spirit has distributed among us are given for the common good, the building up of the local and lowercase church as well as the church universal. What that means is that if you don't engage, we miss out. If you don't engage, we miss out. So Paul begins his argument in earnest here in verse 12. You'll see it here on the screen. Just as a body, though one, has many parts, but all of its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. So Paul gives his thesis here, and he appeals to something that is readily applicable to everyone hearing or reading this in the first century. It's their corpus. It's their flesh and bone bodies. All they have to do is look down and say, yeah, that makes sense. This is what some scholars call a Captain Obvious chiasm. You'll see it here on the screen. Here's his argument. A body is one. Right? You don't have two bodies. You don't have 15 bodies. You have one single body. Yet, that one body has many parts. But in all of its many parts, A, B prime, A prime, 
they all form one body. So also is Christ. Paul is putting the cookies on the lowest of shelves here. I mean, it's like the most elementary argument ever made. Of course. That's why those scholars call it the Captain Obvious chiasm. St. Corinthians, just as you have 650 muscles, 210 bones, 78 organs, yet you are one singular person, and so is the church. But the problem with this lowest shelf metaphor is people. People keep getting in the way of these great arguments. Back to Paul. Here we go. Verse 15. Now if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? Again, Captain Obvious. But, in fact, verse 18, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, listen up, just as he wanted them to be. If they all were one part, where would the body be? As it is, many parts, one body. This is less of an he's all thumbs argument that Paul is using and more an issue of what the Corinthian humans are doing in regards to thinking about certain positions and giftings in the church. In verses 15 through 20, Paul is speaking to those in the Corinthian church who are insecure. These are the ones that are looking at their, what their gifting is, where they're plugged in, and they feel like it's not good enough which is also to say that they're not good enough, that their gifting isn't the best. Hear their insecurity and their false humility. Because I am not a blank, I don't belong. That's insecurity, it's false humility. Because I'm not the worship leader, I don't belong here. Because I can't greet like Scott Barr, I don't belong here. Because I can't make manna from heaven by way of cinnamon rolls like Molly Velt, I don't belong here. Hey, guess what? We don't need you baking cinnamon rolls, okay? That's only Molly's job, all right? (laughs) Don't try to be like Molly, okay? Here's what they're doing. They're focusing on themselves. Do you hear it? Because I am not this... I don't belong here. Then in verses 21 through 26, Paul speaks to those in the Corinthian church who are not insecure, but rather full of self-import. They're prideful. The eye, verse 21, cannot say to the hand, I don't need you, and the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. Skipping forward, but God has put the body together giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that, listen, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern one for the other. If one part suffers, 
Every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices. Hear their pride. Hey, I'm an eye and I don't need you, you ridiculous hand. I mean, what do you even do? I have 95 million rods and cones. You have four fingers. Ew. <laughs> like, you're honestly so mid, hand, okay? Like, honestly, what do you do? You should be just like me. And what Paul is arguing here is he's saying neither perspective is right. They're falling off the horse. You need to stay on the horse, Corinth, Grace. Neither one is focused on the whole, but rather the self. Remember verse seven, for what? For my own good, right? No, for the common good, for the good of all of us. This is not golf. This is a team sport. Everyone is needed. Turn to your neighbor. I expect this one to be a lot more robust. You ready? Verse 22 says that you are indispensable. Thank you. Thank you. So now... Paul leaves behind the metaphor and he gets granular. Verse 27. Now you, people, are the body of Christ and each one of you is a part of it. And God is placed first in the church. Apostles, second prophets, third teachers, miracles, healings, help, guidance, different kinds of tongues. And then he asks this rhetorical question. Are all apostles, are all prophets, do all have the gift of tongues? Do all interpret? Now eagerly desire the greater gifts. Per my watch, I don't have much time left. Um, and so we're not gonna get into all the gifts today. We'll get into that in about three or four weeks if I've, if I've got my calendaring uh, right. But what I want us to see this morning is that each one of us is a part of the whole. Each one of us is a different part of the body of Christ, the corpus, that each of us matters, that each of us are mission critical, that we don't all have the same gifts, which is a good thing, because if you can imagine, like just in your minds, I go here, please. Do you know like the, the weird angels with all the eyes? You know what I'm talking about? Like just think about like the wingspan and the torso of that weird looking angel. Uh, when I get there, I'm probably, I, I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen from one of those angels. But uh, it's weird, man. If we were all eyes, it would be terrible. Can you imagine 150 worship leaders all in the same room? Be a lot of skinny jeans. Six hundred and fifty muscles, two hundred and ten organs, or sorry, two hundred and ten bones, seventy-eight organs, and I know physicians just chill the beans a little bit. I know there's a few that are, seem indispensable, but Paul didn't know that, okay? And so this metaphor isn't perfect. But every single part of the body is mission critical for prime performance. And in that way, his metaphor holds up perfectly. Every 
piece of the body is important. Now, if it wasn't uh, opening weekend of dove season, uh, there would be about 150 of us here on a Sunday. But if every one of us showed up, there would be about 200, 225, 250, depending on which pastor is giving you those results. But here's the deal. Whatever that number is, if we all showed up on a Sunday, one, we'd have to go away from 10 a.m. service, uh, and then Linda would talk to me uh, rather forcefully. But... Also, by the way, let me tell you one thing I learned about sabbatical. Nobody else has a 9 a.m. service in this city, unless they have like five services. So just rest assured we're staying here for a while, okay? 10 a.m., okay? Every one of that 200 to 250 number is mission critical to what God has set before us as Grace Northridge. Every single one. Grace needs you, and Pastor Joel's about to come up to come and tell you all the ways in which you can plug in. But hear me on this. We do not need warm bodies. We don't need warm bodies. We need all of the saints to bring all of their gifts and all of their service and all of their sacrifice, verse 7, for the common good. Some of you will be more upfront. Some of you will be behind the scenes, but everyone needs to plug in. Verse 26, for if not, we all suffer. If you don't lean in, church, we aren't as beautiful as we should be. You are mission critical. Hear me. You are mission critical to the most important organization in the history of the universe. Did you know the local church is the hope of the world? This is the institution by which Christ decided he would build his kingdom. And you're a part of it. Like, are you kidding me? You guys. Like, we are a part of the most important organization in the history of the universe. And if you don't plug in, we suffer. Again, we don't need warm bodies. We need the saints to be who they really are. Joel, come on up. 